Welcome back to the By the Numbers podcast, the official podcast of the Villanova Sports Analyst Club. Uh, my name is Noah. I am a regular host of the show today, and joining me is training guest uh, Charlie Schmatz. Charlie, how are you doing? Uh, doing good. Um, a lot about today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, a, a lot of sports going on. We're winding down a little bit. Just, you know, college football finished up recently, and then NFL playoffs are kicking into gear, but still a lot going on. Um, but first, we must start with uh, Villanova basketball. Quick update. Talked about them a lot in the most recent episode. Uh, and since then, we've had two games, two subsequent games, one against Xavier and one against Paul, in which we lost both of those games. And um, I, I think, you know, I'll hand it over to you, Charlie, because you haven't, you haven't you know, been on the podcast recently. Uh, but this is, you know, might be rock bottom of the season, losing to Paul. I don't know if it's rock bottom necessarily, but losing to Paul is a, is a pretty rough result, pretty rough for, you know, kind of in year one. You know, losing this streak that they talked they were talking about a whole game where you know we, Villanova's beaten DePaul 22 times in a row before um, before the game on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, and you know they haven't lost them since 2008. Uh, and you know breaking that streak in this game, what 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 are your thoughts on the team recently? Uh, you know these these recent results as well because uh, it's not looking great, and I, I think we're we're sitting at eight and nine right now, and it, you know it's. We were optimistic earlier, but I, I don't know. Are, are we right to be optimistic? What do you think? Um, yeah, I think a lot's changed since I last talked about the team. Um, eight and nine is something that I definitely was not anticipating um, really at any point during the season. Um, and now after you lose to DePaul, coming into that game at what, like six and a half point favorites, um, I, I think that that's, that's definitely – um, a concerning sign. Um, I, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to like completely give up and lose hope on this team because I know like we do still have Justin coming back um, eventually. I mean, haven't really heard a lot about him coming back, um, but we're, we're just hoping he does eventually come back. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know like where to start with this team. At first I thought it could have been um, just not really, like having like the right guys out there. But now, I mean, with Cam out there, who's playing great basketball, it's like we, we said at one point we needed Cam and that would be um, the turnaround factor. But now we have him out there and I mean, we're still losing, we're losing bad games, games that we shouldn't. So I think the next thing you got to look at is, is um, the coaching situation. Um, and if this all would have happened, if Jay was still here. And I think that that's something um, that you definitely just have to uh, have to point to. Um, and I don't really know to go where to go from here. Because, I mean, looking long term, you, you have teams like like Kentucky this year who are like 10 and 7. They're not playing anywhere near um, where they're supposed to be. Um, and you could just say like, oh, it's a down year for them. But the thing with them that separates um, from us is that they have like a full roster of recruits coming in next year. And we are just, I think we have one guy coming in next year as of now. So it's, I, I don't know. I think we're in like a dark spot right now. Um, definitely not going to count them completely out because a lot can change in two to three months. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not looking great. Uh, what do you have to uh, have to say? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of tough because I think, you know, you look at the DePaul game, a ton of turnovers. I mean, we're, you know, historically not a team that turns the ball over a ton uh, and turn over, turn over the ball in a ton of possessions. Uh, during that game, 
Uh, didn't shoot well from three in really either of the games. I think it's kind of skewed a little bit by the kind of chasing at the end of the game in the Paul game. Um, but the, the Xavier game was a little tough because Xavier shot 47% on their 19 attempts from three, um, which is not great, or which is like a, a really good number for them or for any team really that we're going to play against. Uh, and, you know, the defense, I think, is just going to be continuously a problem. I think you look at Ken Palm and, you know, Villanova is, you know, a very highly ranked offensive team. But I'll get the numbers right now. They're the 31st ranked team uh, in terms of adjusted offense, but 122nd in adjusted defense. So uh, the defensive piece just continues to be an issue. And then if we're going to be able, if we're going to be shooting 28%, you know, over the course of both of those games from three, uh, that's just not going to do it. Uh, I mean, you look at Cam Whitmore, he's, he had two great games and Xavier had 26 on, you know, 43% from three. If he, if he's shooting 35 plus percent from three, like we need to be winning those games because he's firing off a ton of shots. He's getting a ton of volume. Um, I mean, you look at guys, you know, Brandon Slater went one for six against Xavier for three from three, which is not ideal. Uh, Mark Armstrong had a rough shooting game against DePaul, um, which, you know, they're, they're just some guys that are, you know, a little bit inconsistent at the edge of the roster that are really making it rough when the defense isn't shaping up the way we want it to. Uh, and I think, you know, I think a lot of it is, it, it, I think it comes back to size a lot of the time because it's a team that you, when the ball gets into the post, and, you know, college basketball is, such a, is a sport where like big men dominate and like have such a huge role across the kind of the, you know, not, the big East isn't even like the big ones. Like you think of a Big Ten basketball, you think of like, you know, elite bigs. But it's, you know, we're able to hang with UConn, which is encouraging, but it's just whenever a guy like Archdiacono, even, you know, a guy like Caleb Williams, yeah, sorry, Caleb Daniels, not Caleb Lawrence. Caleb Daniels gets switched onto a big. Uh, you know, we're always rotating from the weak side to double in the post, um, but it, it just feels like we're leave, you know, giving up a lot of open shots on the, on the rim, and you know, maybe those rotations just aren't crisp enough yet, and, and we maybe need to continue doing that. Um, I don't know. It might just be a personnel limitation. I, I mean, losing to DePaul is kind of is not like a super forgivable forgivable result. Like we shouldn't be losing to DePaul regardless. We're just that, like, having a top five pick in Cam Whitmore, like, that needs to be better. Um, and a lot of turnovers in that game. I don't know. There's enough talent here. That I think we should probably continuously need a bigger sample size, I guess. I mean, we're kind of beating the – we're not even beating the teams. So, I don't know. Butler, Georgetown, St. John's are our next three games. You know, those realistically probably need to win all three of those. Um, I mean, Georgetown and St. John's. Already beat St. John's once. I blew them out. So, um, I don't know. I, there needs to be some sort of defensive adjustment. I, I don't. I mean, Nana Joku apparently is not the answer for this team, uh, but we just have no size in the post, and it's frustrating because even against teams like DePaul, it's like it's not like they have like world beaters in the post, but it's just guys who can catch the ball and have enough size to you know body up the smaller guys we have, and also like look out in the perimeter and, and hit open men. So I don't know. It's it, it it's tough. I think it's tough, but we're working through it. I, I'm not ready to kind of give up on Kalanitun just yet, but uh, I don't know. What What are your expectations for the re- rest of the regular season, Charlie? Um, I, I think that at this point, you're just you're fighting to get into the tournament. Um, and I mean, like I said, like a lot can change in the next couple months because I mean, the Big East tournament, like if we're able to somehow like at the right time, figure it all out and win the Big East tournament, then technically the regular season, I mean, it doesn't really matter. But um, 
but I don't know. I'm just, like you said, I'm looking for, uh, I want this team to adjust better defensively. Um, I like the point you brought up about us being undersized because that's been a problem literally since I first saw this, this team start playing. Um, and I think last year, the only difference was, was that we had Jermaine who like was able to adjust better to those big guys. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see us definitely better defensively. I have noticed that a lot where, I mean, a guy like Cam will just run down the floor, um, throw one down, and then it's like two seconds later, they're doing the same thing. I mean, um, it just negates like the points that we just put on the board. But um, but yeah, definitely better defensively. Um, and, and I mean, just like a little more out of the guys like coming off the bench because we don't have all that much. A lot of guys coming off the bench. I mean, and now that, that Brizzy's gone, it's like that's even less. Um so yeah, I mean maybe like just more from Hausen. Um he hasn't even he hasn't played much recently. Um, but Kyle's definitely got to uh there there's a lot that needs to be figured out and a lot of change that needs to uh needs to be brought out. So um yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And you know, there's still time, but um it's looking like the big East tournament might be the only route to to the championship and or to, to the tournament. And I mean it's a year one, so it's it's hard to it's you know, you kind of give Kyle Neptune a little bit of breathing room because um, it is his first year. It's not his first year as a head coach, first year as head coach, head coach of Villanova. Um, so definitely still adjusting, I think, you know, with some time. Next year might be a, a bit more of a prove-it year for him, and then we can kind of see what, uh, you know, a different version of this team might might look like. Uh, but mo- moving on a little bit, we will touch very quickly on the college football championship game um, that finished this previous Monday. Um, Georgia beating TCU, blowing them out 65-7, breaking the record for um, the high number, most number of points scored by a single team in a college football championship game. You know, we thought this game would be a blowout, but not necessarily by this much. And I don't want to spend too much time on this game because it, you know, it's not much to say Georgia dominated. Uh, but, but Charlie, what were your, you have any immediate reactions or, I mean, I saw, I turned this game off at halftime my, myself, but um, what, what was your just immediate reaction, I guess? I mean, I don't want to say that I knew it was going to be this much of a blowout. I did think that um, Georgia would run away with this game at some point, but I think like just the like overall, just overall. I mean, the more that we were able to watch this Georgia team, the more we were able to tell that like, okay, they're going to go back to back. Um, and I think like honestly, that started from their first game of the season. I mean, they destroyed Oregon, who at that time was, I mean, I think they were a top ten team. Um, and it's like, like we were all, like I said, we were all starting to realize like, okay, like they are going to go back to back. And I know like there was like just this like lingering thing of like, okay, Michigan has a shot. Okay. Ohio state has a shot, but I mean, the, just the national championship game. I mean, it, it just showed us like, okay, this team is so much better than like every other team. Um, they were just in like a completely different category than TCU. And I know TCU like very good. I mean, they beat. Michigan, who I think we all saw like they were pretty overrated, um, but just definitely not a bad team, just nowhere near um, the talent of this Georgia team. Um, I think that like Georgia just had like everything. I mean, like they had like great young guys. They have guys who are declaring who are going to go first round and then just to be led by like Kirby Smart. I mean, that's just like it's a picture perfect team and honestly not much to say they were like so much every other team 
Yeah, for sure. I was definitely impressed with Georgia's performance too. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, great to top off the season for Kirby Smart, Stetson Bennett, uh, their OC, Todd Duncan, I thought called a great game, really exposing the TCU defense that um, was causing Michigan a lot of trouble. Um, and we talked about their 3-3-5 three, three, alignment. It's a little bit challenging, um, specifically in getting pressure, but there were some awful coverage breaks throughout the game as well. Uh, and then on top of that, TCU makes just a ton of mistakes. Max Duggan did not have a good game. You know, two turnovers in the first quarter. And, you know, it, 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 I think it was just a combination of Georgia playing well and TCU not playing very well. Uh, and then, yeah, that was the end of it. Georgia's tight ends dominated. I mean, Brock Bowers is going to be a, a stud coming to the NFL in a couple of years. Um, uh, yes, last question. Do you do you think – I mean, there's a lot of – I think a lot of a lot of conversation about Stetson Bennett now that he's you know, won a second national championship. Do you think he's going to get drafted? Um, I think he's probably going to be like a late-round guy because um, I, I don't want to – like he doesn't have a lot of – what we see in the success of like these NFL quarterbacks today. But I mean, I think that NFL um, GMs are going to look at, okay, he's a back-to-back national championship winner. He's been there multiple times. He has that experience and he's, he's not young at all. And I I think that's like, that helps a lot um, with guys like this because it shows, it just shows that they have experience. Um, But yeah, I think that he could be like a late round guy, um, that certain teams are just going to look at him and say, like, we can't pass up on, like, this opportunity to draft a guy like this. Yeah, that's that's very fair. Yeah, I guess I, – I don't think – I mean, he's, like, 25. I mean, uh, you know, the big thing is, like, he's the same age as Lamar. So, I, guess, I, I mean, he's got too much of a pedigree now, I guess, to not get drafted and, like, has played well at the highest level enough times. Um, I mean, he, I don't know if he'll – That'd be very good. I've never really considered him as a draft prospect, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, he he will get drafted, I think, at, at some point now, just because there's just so many picks. But I don't, I don't even know if we'll make it really as a. I mean, I guess he could be a backup. I think he projects as a backup. I guess. Um, man, I don't know because I mean the, those Georgia teams have always been just so stacked that it's like it's hard to isolate you know him from you know what's going on in the team. Um, but regardless, we will have to wait and see um, what happens to the Georgia team to kind of step them Bennett and, you know, see if Georgia can keep this momentum going to next year because they're, they're back-to-back champions, and uh, it, there's not a ton of, like, reason why they should be. I mean, they're losing Jalen Carter, losing some guys on the defense, I would assume, but, you know, I think that it's possible that they could, you know, come back a, a strong team again next year as long as they can figure the quarterback out, which has been a, a problem for them in the past, but um, we will certainly see. Um, and, and moving on a little bit, we will move from the college football to the pro football. And we are approaching the first weekend of the playoffs. Uh, and we've got a six-game slate here. Not all the games look super great. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of games the first weekend. Charlie, I want to ask you this question first to kick things off. Um, what, Which of these games do you think is going to be the most competitive? Or are you the most – which one are you, are you most excited to watch? Um, so I'm in between two right now. I – I like the Chargers Jags game a lot. I don't think that it's like the best game that like you're gonna look at on paper, um, but I think that these two teams like match up very well against one another. I think they're both like in arguably like the same spot right now. They have like really solid offenses at the moment. Um, I, I think that it's gonna be a high scoring game, 
Um, and I do like that the game is in Jacksonville because if it was in LA, I think that the Chargers were a strong advantage. Um, and I think that this is like made like one of Justin Herbert's. I wouldn't say last opportunity because he's gonna he's gonna be here um, a, a lot of times in the future. But I mean, it's a pivotal opportunity for him to just like prove himself because this offense. I mean, they have. Yeah, and then another game that I like a lot is that uh, the Cowboys and Bucks game. Um, I think that this is an opportunity for an upset. Um, Cowboys are two and a half point favorites, um, with, and I do like the Bucks a lot. So, um, so I guess like a two and a half point spread that could be considered um, an upset. Um, but yeah, I, I mean these two games, I'm very excited to watch both of them. The other games, I, I don't really. Wildcard weekend, you you don't like really look forward to seeing all that much because um, you see like higher spreads. But I mean, these two games in particular, I think they do have the um, the lowest spreads, and I think that ultimately they will be the uh, most competitive games. Yeah, I I would have to agree with you there. But then I think the oh first the Chargers and Jags game. I mean, I mean you have the Chargers favored in that game by two and a half, uh, and I mean the Jags are such a weird team, like. They had to beat the Titans just to, to make the playoffs. It was a really ropey game. I mean, Titans are, on a, are playing with a quarterback that they signed like Christmas Day. So they've been playing with for like two weeks, not even two weeks, uh, and and just like barely eased by in that game. Uh, and I, I don't know. It, it's it's weird because I think Trevor Lawrence is playing pretty well. Their offense, they were on a really fun offense with Doug Peterson. I think he's doing a great job on the offense. You know, you have Josh Allen and the defense is making they're making a lot of plays against the Titans. Uh, and I don't know, there's just some still a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, it, it, like there was a the a weird reverse play against the Titans where they fumbled it. Um, some issues in the red zone too, kicking a lot of field goals. Um, but then again, you look at the Chargers and they're kind of the definition of a team that is gonna make those mistakes sometimes. Um, and but you know, once again, Chargers are ten and seven, they've they played the Chiefs really close twice, uh, and you know they had had a pretty solid season overall. And I think are probably rightfully favored in this game. I think if they get out a little bit more speed at the wide receiver position to get a little bit more separation um, in, in the offseason, potentially that 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 could be a positive at least going forward. Um, but yeah, Justin Herbert is, is is a really good quarterback, so you know you you, you never want to count him out. So if they can be the Jags, um, I'd be more afraid of them than with the Jags against uh, any team in the following rounds. Uh, to the point of that Dallas-Tampa game, like, I, I don't know. I think this betting line is getting, like, a ton of love just because it's, like, Tom Brady on the Bucks. The Bucks have been awful for, like, a lot of the year. Like, they have not played well. The offense has not clicked very well. Throughout the entire year, Tom Brady and his connection with his receivers has been pretty poor. He's had very little time in the pocket to throw. The offensive line has been banked up a ton. And they were able to, to connect a little bit in the last game of the year. Uh, and you, know, you have the Cowboys losing their last game of the year as well uh, against the Commanders, um, but I don't know. The Cowboys have like set this present. They you know beat the Eagles forty to thirty four a couple weeks ago. Um, have some good wins or are able to put up points. You know, especially I think it's interesting. You know, this year they've had where at the start of the year Dak goes out in the first game of the year against Tampa, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this could get just absolutely brutal for. Um, the Cowboys this year because they're playing for the backup and they looked awful against Tampa Bay. Um, but you know, end up really turning it around and, and almost getting that one seat in the in the NFC. So I don't know if I, I might consider. I, I would pick the the Cowboys in that game, 
Um, I don't think it'll be as close as people think it will be um, potentially, but I don't know. It is Tom Brady at the end of the day, and it's you know it's hard to bet against him. But I don't think the the Bucks have earned that kind of respect um, so far. Uh, and then I think the Giants Vikings game is a really just weird game overall um, because like it's the Giants and the Vikings are maybe two of the most unreliable teams in the entire league. Um, but the Giants are really well coached, uh, and the Vikings. Um, it's such a weird game. Like I I would never you know Vikings favored by three. I don't know. I, I've heard, I was listening to a podcast where somebody talked about, you know, the Giants being like the favorite upset pick here. And I think that's probably still true just because they're really well coached and Daniel Jones is playing like acceptable and it's the Vikings. Like Vikings very well just could lose the game because it's the Vikings. Um, but I don't know what these, I, I was talking about this the other day uh, w- with some of my friends, Charlie, but th- these two seven games are just seem awful. Like, 49ers, Seahawks, and um, Bills-Dolphins. And, and, you know, in in a world where two is healthy, that Bills-Dolphins game isn't as bad and and might be competitive. But, I mean, it's a 13-point favorite, Buffalo Bills, and 10-point favorite, 49ers. Seahawks have lost a lot of steam. Uh, I mean, I guess the 17 playoff just makes it competitive, and the last weekend of the season was a lot of fun. But this just seems like a waste of, like, two games, right? Like, I don't know. What what do you think about this? Because I think, I don't know, we're starting to see with this new format, it's like, you know, is it actually worth having this? Is there a 17 that deserves the playoff? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I mean, it was it was fun to, to kind of see the race at the end of the season, but I mean, these games kind of seem like filler almost, right? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. So, if hypothetically, if the Dolphins were fully healthy, if they had to, uh, I think that this this completely changes things. Um, but I, I mean, as of now, I, the Dolphins. They just do not have a chance in this game. I mean, Skylar Thompson um, at quarterback, I just don't see a world where they can even make this this game close. Um, and I did see that the Bills are having Micah Hyde beginning practice again. So, I mean, the, the Bills are just getting stronger. And now the Bills have this motivation because um, of the DeMar Hamlin injury. I think that they have a lot that they just want to prove in the playoffs this year. Um, but I, I just don't see a world where the Dolphins can just stay in this game, especially since it's in Buffalo. I mean, they've had a lot of trouble playing um, in the cold. And then the other game over in the NFC, I I don't want to completely count out the Seahawks in this game because this is a Seahawks team who, I mean, at least at the beginning of the year, I was like, they are going to have the number one draft pick. They're going to be lucky to even get a win because their roster was just so not where it needed to be. And now the fact that they're even in the playoffs is just remarkable. Um, nine and a half point favorites or nine and a half point underdogs um, are the Seahawks. I would want to see them like just from like a betting standpoint, I would want to see them cover that spread. Um, I, I don't know if they can win the game because I mean, going on the road to um, San Fran in a playoff game, it's going to be tough. Um and yeah, I mean, just to to put Geno Smith in a position like this, where he hasn't been in a uh, a playoff game in who knows how long, if ever. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be very tough for both of these seven seeds. Um, but I think that that like injuries definitely hindered the Dolphins this year, and it changed a lot. I mean, that game could have been. It could have been. I'm not going to say. It could have been because have yet to play, but I mean, it had 
the uh, possibility of being a much more competitive game. Um, and I, I'm leaving my hopes up a little bit for that uh, Seattle Niners game, but um, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think you sold me a little bit with the Seahawks, or just like enough to be more optimistic that that could be a real game because on top of like the Geno Smith, like, I mean, Pino, Pete Carroll, I think has done a great job. Just even, you know, making this team have win games at all this year. has been impressive. Uh, and it's also like, I mean, Brock Purdy on the other side of the ball. It's a great story. He's Mr. Irrelevant last pick in the draft. He's been playing really well, but like, when does the, like, when does the fairy tale end? Right. He's, he's not, he, I mean, he's still like the last pick in the NFL draft. For some reason, he's not going to win every single game he plays, right? So, I mean, it, it's plausible that he just plays a poor And it's not like the Seahawks have the best defense in the world. But I think it's you could make, you know, it is a plausible world where the Seahawks just catch fire and the defense gets enough pressure to force mistakes or something like that. I don't know. I, it's not – I don't think it's probable, but it's possible. Um, so, that's a good point. I think you'd tell me that game. And, and I think, you know, injuries, I would agree. Uh, Dolphins would look way better. Um, what what do you think would be a cooler story? Like uh, the, I, it's hard to compare these two, but like the, uh, I think the, well, okay, I think it has to be the Bills. The Bills winning the Super Bowl would be cooler than like the Niners winning the Super Bowl with like, like because you'd have Mister Irrelevant winning the Super Bowl versus, I mean the Bills. I, I think the Bills story just has to be cooler because it's winning their first ever Super Bowl after this like after the Debar Hamlin thing, um, which thankfully he's out of the hospital now, but. Um, I think the Bill story would be cooler, but I think there's some some cool stories out there. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, I just want to throw that out there real quick. Yeah, I, I think like you said with the Bills, I mean, just like Demar Hamlin for if they won the Super Bowl, I think that'd be like a storybook ending. Um, and then there's a lot of like little things that I've seen just like over social media over like the past couple months, like um, with the Bills. Like I, I saw this this um, interview, it was a post game interview, and basically the reporter said to Josh Allen, it wasn't even a question. He basically just said, I don't think that your offense is good enough to, to win a Super Bowl this year. And he was just like, okay, like, I don't know. It's just things like that, that I can just like see in my head, them like reposting on social media in a couple months, if they were to win the Super Bowl. Um, And and just like, I mean, the the whole thing with Stefan Diggs and his hands on his helmet, when they lost to the chiefs in the AFC championship, um, it, it's like little things like that where I, I can definitely see like if they won the Super Bowl, like, these things would get reposted on social media. But um, but yeah, I think just just the whole thing like with Demar Hamlin, like if they were to win the Super Bowl, I think that they do have um a lot of motivation now. Um, uh, you could argue that they are a little like paranoid about even playing the game, but I mean, I, I think that a lot of teams are experiencing that. It's just different with the Bills because now they have the motivation to play for a teammate. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be super cool. Super cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. And I, I'm probably personally pulling for that to happen. So that, that'd just be super cool. And they seem to have like, you know, Josh Allen seems like a pretty like cool guy. Um, and they're also really good. So that helps too. Um, but moving on to some teams that are not doing as well. Um, we had black Monday, the day in the season where a lot of coaches um, end up losing their jobs. Um, it's an, a couple of OCs across the league lose their job. I know the Titans fired their OC. Um, I forget someone else fired their OC too. But um, regardless, two biggest coach firings that day, uh, Lovey Smith of the Texans and Cliff Kingsbury of the Cardinals. Um, I think the Lovey Smith one was was coming, and I thought it was hilarious that they, they beat – I watched the end of that game. They beat the Colts on a 4th and 20 
Hail Mary, which is hilarious. So on the way at the door, Lovey Smith screws them out of the number one pick. That was hilarious. Um, and Cliff Kingsbury out with the Cardinals, uh, which just kind of seems like a failed experiment. I think uh, a lot of people were he, – he's getting criticized a lot during the season, and I'm not super surprised by either of these moves. But um, I don't know, Charlie, what, what was your initial reaction to both of these? Um, and, you know, where do you think the Cardinals go from now? I'm oh, sorry. I'll, I'll ask one question first. What, what was your immediate reaction to these uh, these coach firings? I, I think both of these firings were, like, relatively easy to see. Um, and, like, especially with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, I think that, like, a lot of people had just been starting to notice, like, okay, he's not really, um, like, an NFL head coach. Um, and, it, like, I don't want to throw him completely under the bus this year with the Cardinals because they did have – a lot of um a lot of challenges uh they had like the diop suspension for what for six eight games i forget how much it was um and then the kyler injury so like that that definitely does not help so yeah they were put in a lot of like tough situations where a head coach ultimately can't do anything about um but I, I think it was like the little things that there wasn't really a lot of improvement with the defense and just just overall, the, this Cardinals team, if you go back, going back to like last year, I mean, they were one of the best teams at the beginning of the year. And then now to, to just be what, four and 13, it, it's just not really like acceptable. And there's not a lot of excuses you can make for it. So Cliff Kingsbury, I could see that. Um, and then, like you said, with, with Lovey Smith, they, the Texans had a more talented roster this year. I think that's just like an objective thing to say. Um, they had a good draft. They drafted Damian Pierce, Derek Stingley. I mean, they had guys, um, and their their roster was at least to a certain extent better than it was last year. But overall, I mean, it just shows quarterback is still a question mark. Davis Mills was never that guy. I think they had Jeff Driscoll in for a little bit. I, I mean, it's just not like you can't make it competitive with quarterbacks like that. And then just for like, the wide receivers that they were dealing with just not like overall a strong team um but zero wins at home for the texans i you can't really blame i don't think you can completely blame a roster for that i think the head coaching just at least factors in a little bit to that um but you you just can't like you said like to screw them out of the number one pick with the last minute hail mary on fourth and 20 like (laughs) I, i don't know how you can keep your job after that um but yeah i think like for both of these teams as for the future for the cardinals i think it is going to be a little tougher um especially because you have kyler out until uh probably late next year because he tours acl um pretty late this year um i think it is going to be tougher for them i think head coaching is going to be a little bit tougher to find um and then the Texans, they, they do have a, a high draft pick. I think Stroud's going to be there. I think Bryce Young's going to be there. So uh, if they're able to, uh, to, to get a quarterback early and, uh, and that turns out to be like a success, then I, I could see this team being, um, being a little bit uh, better. I, I don't want to like say that they're just going to immediately jump to like playoff team if they're, they get a quarterback. But, but yeah, I mean, a lot to prove for both teams. Yeah, it's it's weird because you. I mean, I, I was trying to think about the Cardinals and the Texans, and then of course you have the you have the Broncos and the Panthers as the other open jobs, and, and thinking like you know what which of these is the best opening, 
Um, and, and just it, just in case of you know you look at the Cardinals and the Texans, it's tough because you think the Cardinals roster could use some work. Uh, you have JJ Watt retiring. The defense didn't play super well this year. Um, I mean, the offense you have D Hop, but he's kind of aging. Uh, but the one thing you do have is is Kyler Murray, um, and if he's like you know you have a solid answer at quarterback who's under contract. Um, you're not going to have him for a lot of next year, um, which kind of puts the timeline in a weird spot because, you know, I mean, you could also question whether Kyler Murray's been played well enough to like win a Super Bowl um, with enough talent around him. Maybe it's it's hard to know because you know Cliff Kingsbury wasn't probably the greatest coach, so maybe we bring in some you know bring in somebody new and they could turn that around. Next season's probably going to be mostly a wash because they're not going to have a, Kyler is going to be injured, like you said. Um, but then, so, so it's kind of weird because you need kind of basically year zero before you get to a year one where Kyler's healthy. You can actually, you know, attempt to make a run. Uh, and that makes the, 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 the competing window a little bit more immediate. Um, maybe looking for somebody with a little bit more experience to, um, to deal with a roster that's a little bit in transition but needs to be competing sooner rather than later. Whereas for the Texans, it's a little bit more, yeah, you still need the quarterback, have the second overall pick, probably going to get one of those two guys. Um, and, you know, you know, dealing with just a super young roster, building a new identity for the team, essentially, uh, and kind of seeing what you can do. So it's, it's definitely two interesting spots. And I don't know which one is it's probably more preferable because, you know, the Texans are, are locked in, have a little bit more like capital across the board. Uh, the team is, you know, the roster is probably worse and there's no quarterback, but you have a little bit more time to function, I would think, um, as long as you don't you know, lose every single game next year. Um, but you know, one, you know, thinking about the names of people that could fill these slots, uh, Sean Payton's name has been coming around, you know, everywhere across the board. I think Denver has been rumored a ton. Uh, what, what do you think about um, kind of these rumors? Where, wh- which of these spots would you pick if you were Sean Payton? Kind of like, you know, if you have the pick, I think Sean Payton gets a lot of like, he has a lot of sway. I mean, he won a Super Bowl, right? He was a, he's a pretty great coach. Um, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of smoke in Denver, um, but you know, what what was your reaction to this? And if you were Sean Payton, where would you pick to ultimately go if you were, you know, going somewhere uh, th- this off season? Yeah. So just to start, like my reaction, I, I was a little like uh, I don't want to say surprised, but just like I kind of forgot about Sean Payton um, because he had technically retired, um, and just for him, his name to be like thrown around and. NFL coaching jobs these days, uh, it, it kind of like like surprised me a little bit. Um, but it, I mean, if I were Sean Payton, I would really look at Denver. I think that Denver, their what they showed this year was nowhere near like what they should have showed. I, I think that like it starts with Russell Wilson. I think he did have a pretty difficult time adjusting to um, the new system in Denver to just really everything like the weather I, I mean there was a lot that he uh I, I don't want to say promised but he he did um get a lot of Broncos fans hopes up at the beginning of the year and then uh, I mean it was kind of a disaster of a season but I, I think that the Broncos they have like a really solid roster their defense is when you think of the best defense in the NFL right now the Broncos are are up there their, their defense is very solid 
Um, and I think that if Sean Payton does end up going to Denver, it's going to be something like we saw with Doug Peterson going to Jacksonville, where it's an experienced head coach, a, a coach who's, who's won Super Bowls, um, going into a, a, a team who's, who not, did not live up to expectations that previous year. And they, because they have a lot of experience, they kind of turn it, turn it around. And I think that Sean Payton and, and Russell Wilson, that's something like we could, we saw with him and Pete Carroll. I mean, that, that just looks like a success story waiting to happen. Um, and, and just the Broncos, like a lot to prove. I think Sean Payton a hundred percent could, uh, could turn this team around. Yeah. I think you'd have to be optimistic to, to be able to turn it to, to, be able to kind of work some sort of magic with the Broncos. Um, I think it's so much talent. If you can just get Russell Wilson playing better, um, you know, there's a lot there. I think the Panthers are, are sneaky. I, I don't think we'll go to Carolina ultimately, but I think, you know, there's some reason to be optimistic there. Um, you've got some draft capital after training Christian McCaffrey. Team played reasonably well down the stretch of the year. Uh, they've got some pieces on the defense uh, and, and a, and a re- reasonably high draft pick this year. So, you know, I think there's, you know, some pieces in, in, in Carolina um, to build with potentially. So we'll have to see um, who who ultimately fills these spots. I know I think the Lions, O'Seasman, uh, rumored there, um, both the Eagles coordinators. So Shane Steichen, their OC, and, and uh, Jonathan Gannon, their DC, who I'm not super familiar with, but have both been rumored um, after, you know, their, their incredible season this year. Um, so we'll definitely be interested to see who ends up filling those spots. Uh, and kind of the last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, something that's been rumored a lot, I think, just on, you know, I've had ESPN on, I've seen these headlines, just Sean McVay kind of reconsidering um, his, you know, potential career, potentially leaving the Rams after this year, um, which is super interesting. You know, once thought of like, and still thought of as like a, a genius mind in the NFL and potentially one of the best coaches in the league. Uh, and considering leaving, I mean, it's an aging core in LA that had a rough season this year. What what do you think about Sean McVay potentially leaving, and and what this says for the Rams? Yeah, I think he's. Uh, if I were to put money on it, I, I would say he's gone, just because I think the Rams are in probably one of if definitely the worst spot of any team in the NFL, if not the worst spot in like any team in sports right now. I think that. Uh, they have no draft picks this year in a year where they absolutely needed them. They have Aaron Donald who's hurt. They have Cooper cup who's hurt. And then now with McVay uh, rumored to be uh, possibly leaving, I, I think that they're just in a terrible spot. Um, and, and I think that, like you said, like just a lot of other head coaching jobs opening up. I think that he definitely um, is going to look for uh, another head coaching job, but um but yeah, it, it definitely shocked me at first just because, I mean, you look at the Rams and this is a team that that won the Super Bowl last year. It's probably one of the worst ever. Uh, it might statistically be one of the worst um, years by a team after winning the Super Bowl. Um, but just nothing is going right for this team. They, they just lost so much and... I mean, if they lose their head coach, this is, uh, I'd say McVay right now is the one thing that they do have. And if they lose him, then I, I think it just like crumbles into pieces. Yeah. I, it, it could go very downhill in LA very quickly for the Rams. Um, should Sean McVay leave and you, you think, you know, it's going to happen to Matthew Stafford, you know, Aaron Donald talks about retiring after winning the Super Bowl. And you know, I don't think that's, it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, this, this core was able to win a Super Bowl, which is exceedingly a tough task. So, 
Um, you know, it's it's a solid performance from this team. It's it's hard to I, I don't if Sean McVay left, I, I'd imagine he'd have to come back at some point. I mean, he might very well just might be good, might be set. I know there I mean there's a long time it was, you know, trying to hire away any anybody who's, you know, been in the same room as Sean McVay as a head coach. So um yeah, I it's such an interesting, you know, we don't see it a lot. So I think it's kind of kind of interesting. And this guy who's enjoyed a lot of success recently, but um, I think the Rams need to really hope that um, that doesn't happen. But uh, we will have to see waiting to happen. You know, the NFL offseason is, is, you know, on, on the horizon. But um, first, we have the playoffs coming up soon. So definitely super excited for everything that's going on right now. Um, but that will wrap up the show uh, for today. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening to the show today. Uh, we will talk with you soon. Mm-hmm.